Good morning. Glad you're here this morning. I'd like to give you a moment just to think through and answer a question in your mind as we're beginning this morning to launch into the message. And here's the question. Who or what is leading my life? Think about that for a few moments. Who or what is leading my life? There are several possible answers. I've got a few of them that will be on the screen. One, other people's expectations. It's a possibility. It's easy to get on a track of trying to please the people around you and letting this drive or control the direction of your life. Maybe a parent, maybe a family member, a friend. They're in the driver's seat because you, in the back of your mind, as you're making choices and as you're living your life, you're thinking about them. I want to make them happy. I want to please them. Another possibility, a drive to succeed. Maybe you've soaked up the culture's definition of success and you are going for it. You're pushing for the biggest house, the latest car, the coolest TV the best computer, the coolest gadget, the smartest kids, great clothes, the best vacations, whatever it is, so on and so on and so on it goes. Another possibility is autopilot. You're just coasting. There's not much of a drive. You're just getting up in the morning and you're letting life happen and it's flowing along and you're just cruising through on autopilot. Another option would be a to-do list. This is, this is what is leading you, your to-do list. You wake up and you're just trying to get everything done. You're just clicking off one box after the other, trying to get the stuff done. Or something related to that, the clock. This, this is a lot like the to-do list, but you're just trying to cram everything into the 24-hour period of your day that you have. Everybody gets the same amount of time. And you're really working hard to get to get everything in. This is what's driving you, the clock. I gotta get it done. I gotta get the deadline. I gotta do this. Well, in this series, we're answering the question, how do we follow God's lead? This this is the core of what we're talking about in this series. And if we allow him to lead us above all the other noise that's going on inside of us and around us, he brings life together and focuses us to fulfill his purpose. And this is a major characteristic of what it means to be one of God's children. We're led by his spirit. We looked at this last week, Romans 8:14. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. This is, this is a key characteristic of what it means to be one of God's kids. And so learning to, his lead, learning to follow, to listen to his leadings, the Holy Spirit as he leads us, is a crucial part of following him. And one way the Spirit leads is by prompting us, by urging us in a certain direction to say or do a certain thing. And if, if we follow him, if we hear him and we obey him, then he's going to lead us to handle life in the best possible way. He, he wants to show us how to be married. He, he wants to show us how to parent. He, he wants to show us how to work, to be a student, to decide, to work under authority. How, how do we do that? I mean, there are a lot of questions that come up as you live life. 
He, he really wants to guide us and lead us in this. He wants to show us what to do with our lives. As I was reading this book that we're reading for our growth groups and discussing in our growth groups, the thought came to mind, you know, I, I wish I were led like they, these people. You know, there's story after story of people getting a prompt. I wish I'd get led like that. And then the thought came to mind, well, what do you think's been happening? You know, <laughs> and I looked, I thought back about key times in my life and then other times when, when I'm prompted. You know, sometimes we, we read things and we get envious and you're like, hey, it's happening. You know, it's going on. I think about a time in my freshman year, first semester of my freshman year, I was at Baylor playing baseball, Baylor University, and God very clearly spoke to me through a radio interview with an NBA basketball player and and steered my life a different direction. For me, he didn't want me to keep playing baseball and spending umpteen hours a day on the baseball field honing skill. That's not what he had for me. So through this prompting, through this thought that he brought to mind as this guy on the interview was talking, he led me. God God wants to show us what to give our lives to. He really wants to lead us. He wants to lead every part of our lives. He wants to show us how to how to work through a tough spot, what to say in a tough situation. He he wants to show us how to approach reconciling a relationship, how to encourage our friend who is really down. He, he wants to lead us. And so we must learn to listen and then follow. If we do, if we learn this, there's a tremendous amount of benefit in it, in it for us. There is. But much of the time, God's leadership is subtle. He, he is not going to be the loudest, most spectacular voice in the crowd. Last week, we also looked at how Elijah was led or spoken to by God in a really tough situation. It wasn't through a powerful wind. It wasn't through an earthquake or a fire, but through a gentle whisper. Like hearing a whisper, we have to quiet ourselves to hear what God's saying to us. We have to quiet everything down so that we can hear what he wants to say. We have to learn this. We have to learn to listen, especially in our world, in our culture, where life is flying by very quickly. We have to learn to quiet ourselves and listen to God. It doesn't come naturally. I'd like to let you hear a story uh, from Bill Hybels himself, the man who wrote the book that we're all reading, or at least all, all of us who are in growth groups. And he gives a backstory story to, to the book itself that I think you'll find interesting, and he explains how and when he began to learn to listen. So here's, here's Bill Hybels. The very first acknowledgement in this book goes to my second grade teacher, whose name was Miss Van Solen. And she's the one who taught a Bible story when I was in second grade about Samuel, the young boy who, who heard voices in the middle of the night. And he would get out of bed and go to Eli and say, so what do you want? And Eli would say, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And this happened three times. And finally, Eli said to Samuel, next time you hear a voice, why don't you say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel goes back to bed. He hears a voice and he says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And God actually speaks to this young boy 
and he gives him a message that he's supposed to tell Eli the next day. And Samuel, in fact, tells Eli the whole message the next day. So my second grade teacher is reading this story to the class. The recess bell rings and everybody runs out. And I'm transfixed in my chair. And I was always the first kid out to recess, organizing the athletics and so. I was glued to the chair because of the nature of that story of God speaking to somebody. Very timidly, I walked to the front of the class and I said, Miss Van Zolen, does God still speak today? And she was caught a little off guard and she said, what? And I said, in the story, God spoke to a young boy. Do you think that God still speaks to young boys today? And she said, well, why do you ask? And I said, because I think it'd be about the coolest thing in the world if God were to still speak, you know, to people and to young boys today. And she said, well, I absolutely think he does. And she reached in the top drawer of her desk and she gave me a poem. And she said, maybe you would enjoy this poem. Uh, take it with you when you go home tonight. And I did. Later on that night, before I went to bed, I read the poem and I liked it so much that I read it several times and then committed it to memory. Next day I go to school and I'm about ready to go out for recess and my teacher stops me and she said, did you read that poem? And I said, in fact, I did. I actually memorized it. And uh, I thought she was going to faint. And she said, if you memorized it, why don't you say it to me? I said, okay, I can say it. Oh, give me Samuel's ear, an open ear, O oh Lord, alive and quick to hear each whisper of thy word like him to answer to thy call and to obey thee first of all. I thought she was going to pass out. I mean, the look on her face, a second grader, you know, not just reading a poem, but memorizing one that she had given to me. She put her hands on my shoulders and she said, Bill Hybels, if you listen for the voice of God and obey it, I think God's going to have an anointed plan and He's going to put power on your life. And I remember thinking, well, whatever. But I ran out to recess, and that was that. But I've probably repeated that poem in my head tens of thousands of times. Uh, still in there right now. You could poke me in the middle of the night. I could say that poem. So... A few weeks ago, when I was just finishing the book, The Power of a Whisper, uh, someone walked into my office and they had kind of a promotional copy of it. Not the real thing, but just a promotional copy of it. And I looked at it for the first time and I thought, wow, this all goes back to my second grade teacher. Just then, my assistant, Jean, came into my office with an email and she said, you better sit down, Bill. I got bad news. And I sat down and she said, your second grade teacher just died. So I was holding the book, The Power of the Whisper, Power of a Whisper, and the email about Miss Van Solen's death. And I thought, too strange, really, got to be kidding me. And I was filled with appointments that day and the next day, and I got a whisper from God that the right thing to do would be to fly to the city where her funeral service was being held and to attend her funeral. 
So I thought about it and I prayed about it. I said, this is the right thing to do. So I canceled all my appointments. I chartered an aircraft and flew to this little city. And, uh, yeah, stood by her casket and remembered what a second grade teacher did to just a young guy. You know, 15 minutes after a class, and she gives me a poem, and she tells me that God still speaks, and that maybe my life could be anointed if I would listen for whispers. So that day, standing by her casket, I thought, yeah, that little poem and that concept of whispers changed the whole course of my life. And I have a real debt to pay to that woman. I did so, you know, standing there at her casket. But driving away from that funeral kind of rededicated myself to the concept that I want to I want to live with one ear open to heaven every day. And when I hear God speak, I want to figure out if it's really God and if it's really what he would want me to do. And if it is, I want to be able to pay the price. I want to, you know, follow through with it, regardless of the cost. And I want the rest of my life to be about that adventure, just a, a whisper-led, God-guided adventure. And I don't know where it's going to go, uh, but, you know, I want to be on that kind of path. Interesting, huh? Only God has the ability to bring life together and focus us in a direction that really makes a difference. He's the only one that can connect all these dots. And what we're really looking at in this series is how do I strengthen my friendship with God? How do I develop it? God, God wants to be our friend. That's an amazing thing we find out in Scripture. He, he wants us to have a friendship with him, and then he wants to lead us to good, the good of his kingdom, the good of his purpose in the world and his kingdom, the good of others, and that turns out to be the best thing for us. This is the direction that our friend is going to lead us. The amazing thing about God is that he's done everything needed to make this friendship possible with him. Our part is to realize the privilege of it, to realize the privilege of this friendship with God, and then to strengthen that friendship. That's, that's really what we're talking about. Romans 5 says this, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still enemies, we'll, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. God, God has gone, he has gone to great lengths to connect us to himself. Here's the picture of reality painted in this passage in the scripture. We were enemies of God, not friends. We were enemies of God because we have all rebelled. Scripture says all of us have rebelled against his leadership in our lives. When someone has made you, it's only right that you follow their leadership in your life. They should lead you. 
And all of us have gone our own way. Scripture says every one of us has gone our own way. We've turned aside from following him. Our rebellion, this rebellion, has separated us from Christ. God restored our friendship with him through his son Jesus Christ's death. He, that's what he did to restore our friendship. He, he made it right. He, he, he pulled us back into it. He created us so that he could love us and that we could love him back, so that we could have a relationship, a friendship with him. But when we rebelled, when we took matters into our own hands and decided to live life independent of him, that cut us off from knowing him. And through his son, Jesus Christ's death, he brings us back together with him in a friendship. We now have the privilege of a friendship with God. Jesus paid a high price for that friendship. And it's a privilege we shouldn't, real, we shouldn't take for granted. We should realize that this is, this is what God has done. It's an amazing thing. If you've come to the point in your life where you've turned around from going your own way and decided to go God's way, you have a friendship with him. If you haven't yet, he's drawing you toward that. That's what he wants. He wants you to come back to him and relate to him. In a friendship, two-way communication is normal. You don't... You, it's very difficult to have a relationship with a cardboard cutout of a person. Can't do it. You, know, you, can, you can have a one-way conversation, but boy, that's not very fun. Not, it's weird. You know, if you're going to sit down and talk to a cardboard cutout, that's kind of weird. There's something wrong. It's, it's vital to a friendship, in the nature of a friendship, to have this dialogue, especially when we're having the conversation with the one who made us, with the one who wants to lead us to the best kind of life, the God of the universe, who is our leader. If you've decided to follow Christ, uh, or you're seeking what that, you're seeking him out, what that means uh, to follow him, you've already begun to experience his promptings. You, you, you've already been, whether you realize it or not, he's been prompting you. And I want to show you what places in your life you've been experiencing them. Here are the, the importance of his promptings. They're important because they led you to Christ. If you've come to Christ, if you haven't yet come to Christ, they're drawing you toward him. John 6:44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You find out in Scripture that it's God's Spirit that draws us to him, that urges us, that leads us, that tugs on our hearts and encourages us to follow. Promptings give assurance that we're Christians. It's, it's, his, it's his assurance, his speaking to us in our spirit that assures us. Romans 8, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, we have an enemy. Once you decide to follow God, you have an enemy, Satan, who loves to create doubt in your mind that you're a believer. But the Holy Spirit, whom we receive into our life, the moment we decide to follow Christ and commit our life to him, he reassures us. That's what he's doing. That's why promptings are important. That's why his, his leadership is so important. They lead us to spiritual growth. They bring spiritual growth within these promptings. They're going to lead us in the right direction. 
But when he, John 16 says, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit, it's God himself who leads and guides and brings the scripture alive as we read it or as you hear it taught. He, he brings it home to our hearts. He brings things to mind. He connects dots. He's the one putting it all together. The leadership of the Holy Spirit is a privilege of our friendship with God that he's made available to us in Jesus Christ. So it's important to realize the privilege of that friendship and to learn to recognize his voice and obey when we hear it. This is, this is what it means to follow Jesus. This is him talking, John 15. This is Jesus talking. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. Wow. Jesus is showing himself to us and he's showing us who God is as he leads us in this. When you're in a friendship with a superior, someone who's over you in authority, someone who has legitimate authority in your life, it doesn't go well if you don't do what they say, does it? There's a problem in the friendship. It's, it's only right that you do what they command, and that's what Jesus is saying here. The friendship is good if you do what I command. This is important. Maybe, maybe you haven't realized you're here and you're listening and you haven't realized that God's been speaking to you. Or you've missed what he's saying for another reason. Here are a couple reasons that we could not hear him. Maybe we haven't been hearing for these reasons. Number one, we don't quiet ourselves to let him speak to us. This is important, quieting ourselves on a regular basis, just taking time out to sit and listen, to get into the Bible, let him speak to us through it, to talk to him in prayer. And, and listen for what he's saying. Jesus did this constantly. Mark one thirty five says he went out a great while before day to a lonely place, and there he prayed. He kept getting away. Luke 22.39 says it was a habit. It was his pattern. Pulling aside, letting God speak to him and encourage him. Another reason is maybe we don't plan to do what he says. He's not going to keep speaking to us if we're not going to do what he's telling us to do. So those are a couple reasons. There, there may be others, but those are a couple good reasons. If, if you want to be led by God, if you want to be a child of God who's led by his spirit, these are important things. Quiet yourself. Listen to him. Get into the word on your own every day. Let him speak through it. Get away. Talk to him. Plan to do what he tells you to do. Set your heart to do it. That's, that's one sure way to shut down the voice of God in your life. The direction of God is just decide not to, I'm not going to, not necessarily going to do it. It's clear in Scripture that God wants to lead us. He wants to speak to us. He has made us friends. He, he wants us to relate to him. This, this flows out of his kindness because he gave us life to handle. And in his kindness, he wants to guide us in, in handling it. He wants to show us the best way. He wants to guide us into a life that really means something. It's significant 
for him. But we have to learn to recognize his voice, and then we have to set our own selves to follow when he speaks. We have to recognize his voice above our own heart because we want stuff. And what we want many times contrasts and conflicts with what we know God would want. So our own heart can lead us in that direction. Or uh, just the deception of the world and the enemy and the thoughts that are out there can lead us in another direction. So we have to learn to sort these things out. And that's what I want to look at. How do we do that? How, how do you know if a prompting is from God? And I'm, I, I have several characteristics that I'd like to list for you today. A prompting from the Lord will match his character. Galatians 5, and 23, great summary of the character of God. I mean, there's more to him than this, but this is a good summary. It's the fruit of the Spirit. This is what you can, as the Spirit, Holy Spirit comes into your life, this is what you can expect him to begin to develop in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. This is what he's going to do in us. These are the character traits that he'll develop. And this is where we can expect him to lead us. This is the direction he'll take us. He's going to lead us to be loving, to make peace with people around us, to show kindness to others, to be faithful to our commitments. He's not going to lead us to just punt our commitments. If you've made a commitment, he's going to lead you to be faithful to it, never unfaithful. When, when someone you admire, think about this, when someone you admire faces a challenge or they're going into a tough situation or they do something and you're not there and somebody tells you, wow, this was amazing, they were very kind, they're, what, what do you say? I, I'm not surprised, that's just like them. Well, this is what we can know about God. He's going to lead us to be just like him. He's, going to, he's not going to change. He doesn't change. God never changes. He's always the same. His spirit, then, is going to lead us to do what he would do. And as we get into Scripture and let him speak to us through it, we learn about him. We get a better picture of who he is, his character, what he does, what we can expect from him. And it's invaluable at helping us sort out his leadings, his promptings in our life. When God became a man in Jesus Christ, he was a humble servant. His leadings usually involve servanthood. If you're getting a leading towards stardom, probably not God. <laughs> he is going to lead you towards servanthood sacrifice. This is what you can expect. This is God. This is what he does. This is who he is. He's going to lead us to fulfill his, his purposes. His promptings fulfill his purposes in the world. Prompting from the Lord will always agree with Scripture. Always. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. If you want to hear from God more frequently, get into the Bible. Get into his word. He, he will lead you. He will speak to you through it. And he takes, he takes you through uh, the, these, these different elements that are mentioned here. 
in the Bible. Here's an illustration of this verse that shows us how God uses the Scripture to untangle our lives, to, to lead us and guide us. First of all, we get into the Scripture and he teaches us. He shows us the path that we should walk on, that we should, this is the way we should live. We, we get this in Scripture. And then he also uses the Bible to reprove us, to show us where we've gotten off the path. This happens when we read it. It happens when it's taught. It probably happens when we're here together. He corrects us through the Scripture. He shows us how to get on the path. It's not enough just to realize, wow, that's wrong. I need to stop. He, he wants us to get back on the right path. So he shows us how to do that. And then he, there's training in the Scripture. It shows us how to stay on the right path. And this, as you get into the Word, God speaks to you, and he, he works this out in your life over and over and over again. And if you want to hear God speak to you, get into his Word. And then he, he gives leadings and promptings throughout the day and in other ways, but it always lines up with what he's already said. It's never going to contradict with that. This is how God uses his Word to untangle our lives. Any leading that he gives that's not found in Scripture will line up perfectly with what he's already said. This is, this is the way God works. A prompting from the Lord will foster cooperation with legitimate authority. It's the next characteristic. Romans 13.1 Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by, by God. God is going to work through the authority that he's put over you, not around it. This legitimate authority that he's put there, he'll never lead you to do an end run on that authority. Okay, student body left. We're going around. I know what they want. I know what they're saying. Here we go. Or, you know, we're doing the end run. God's not going to lead you to do that. He won't tell you what they need to do, your authority. He's going to tell them. He's going to lead you through them. He's not going to tell you so you can clue them in. I got a word from God today. This is what we need to do. It's not, not the way it goes. He, in family life, at work, in church life, he will lead you through the authority over you, not around it. What does this do to us? It makes us very anxious, very nervous, because you might think that the authority over you is deaf. They can't hear a word from God. They can't hear what he's saying. In fact, they're not even listening. But it's amazing. God can lead you through them, even if they're not listening. So he's going to lead you through it, and in our culture in our society, there are many situations where you don't have to stay under that authority at work or in other situations in church life. You don't have to stay under the authority. If, if you really disagree with the direction, then you have the privilege of, of finding someone that you agree with. That could be dangerous to find people who agree with you, but um, we can do that. If you have a prompting that you think is from God, Wait patiently for him to tell those over you. Wait patiently. He's going to tell them the same thing if it's really from him. Now, you have the freedom to make a suggestion and to let them know uh, what you'd like to see happen or that you, you, you think this is important, but it has to be a suggestion. 
Don't manipulate. Don't push. You can appeal to authority, but you're not the authority. You're not in charge. God put them over, over this arena. And so we just let them know what we think and leave it there, and it's their decision because they're responsible before God. They're going to have to answer to him. God's promptings, his leadings will, will match who God made me to be, who, made, who God made you to be as well. 2 Corinthians, I think in your listening guide it says 1 Corinthians, but 2 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13 says this, Not that we venture to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limit, but will keep to the limits God has apportioned us to reach even to you. Sometimes we're motivated to do things out of a spirit of competition and comparison. That's, that's where the drive, the leading, you know, I, want to, I need to show these people. I need to prove myself. I need to show them how it is. And, and if we do that, and it's not really who we're made to be, it's like writing with the wrong hand. Very awkward. So here we are, we're giving time and energy to live our life in a way that doesn't really line up with who God made me to be. God wants us to grow in our understanding of our strengths and weaknesses. He wants us to gain an accurate estimate of ourself. And the way you do that is you recognize your limitations. Now, the way you find your limitations, now, some, some I know could read this and say, oh, that's great, I'm not going to do anything that I don't think I'm made to do. That's great. I can go back to autopilot mode and just cruise on through. But here's how you find your limitations. You keep getting out of your comfort zone. You keep, you keep getting over the edge to the edge and beyond the edge of what you think you can do, and then you find out whether or not you can do it. Part of what we're doing as we live life is learning our limits and gaining an accurate self-image. It, does, doesn't it make sense that the one who made us is going to lead us in light of who he's made us to be? It does. It's always going to match. A prompting from the Lord will align with wisdom, and it will align with the counsel of the wise. And uh, wisdom has three main basic qualities to it. Righteousness, justice, and prudence. Righteousness is doing what's right before God. His promptings, he's always going to lead us to do what's right before him, not what's wrong. Uh, just, what's right before people, and prudent, what's the best way to reach the goal. may not seem like that at the beginning, but it is, it is the best way. That's how he's going to lead us. Righteousness, justice, and prudence. And he's going to lead us through counsel. If you're, if you're learning to listen to God, if you're just starting out learning to listen, you're going to have to learn by experience, trial and error. It's a process. So I strongly suggest that you find mature people who have walked with God for a long time who can tell you whether or not they think you're really hearing from God correctly, whether or not you're really... And the, the bigger the decision, the more impact it has on your life, the greater care I would take to sort through the, the things you're thinking God is telling you to do. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. Another passage, Proverbs 20:18 says, Make plans 
by seeking advice. Sometimes we make plans and then we present them to advisors and we want their stamp of approval. Make the plan by seeking the advice. As you're putting the plan together, ask people about it before you get your heart set on it. That's where the guidance is. Look for guidance from these kinds of people, people who have walked with God much longer than you, people who know you well, or at least they're willing to get to know you well in the context of the decision or guidance that you're hearing from God, and people who have proven to handle God's promptings well. Seek advice from them. That's that's some great guidelines on that. There is a great value in learning to listen to God's promptings. His voice can be the one voice that brings life together and helps us focus on what we need to be looking at. It brings life into focus, gives clarity. Learning to recognize his, his voice will allow us to tune out the expectations of others. It, it'll allow us to set aside the drive for success, the kind of success that won't really last. It'll help us get out of autopilot mode and guide us away from the tyranny of the urgent and, and the, the to-do list and the clock and all of that. His promptings, God's promptings, will fulfill his purpose in the world and through us. So I want to encourage you, and what we're doing this month is we're looking at how to listen to God and how to obey and how important it is to obey. If you aren't yet a follower of Christ, I ask God to show himself to you. He will. If you aren't hearing God, if you're wanting some direction and guidance and you don't seem to be hearing from God, Ask him to turn up the volume. Ask him to show you as we walk through these these things this month, how do I learn to follow? How do I listen? How do I get what you're saying to me? And I'd like to ask as we wrap up this message this morning that you say this poem with me, which is really a prayer. If you can sincerely pray this prayer, look it over. It's on the screen. If you can sincerely pray this prayer, I'd like for you to say it with me. We're going to say this together. Are you ready? Here we go. Oh, give me Samuel's ear, an open ear, O Lord, alive and quick to hear each whisper of thy word, like him to answer to thy call and to obey thee first of all. Let's make hearing God our number one priority this week. Plan to wake up and ask God to lead you through the day. Ask him to speak and then obey. Check out. Make sure it's from him and then do what he's telling you to do. This could be one of your next steps this week. On your listening guide and on the back of the connection card, uh, there are some next steps. I'd like to ask you to pull the connection card out of the program if you haven't already. And check off the next steps that you'd like to take this week and then In a moment, we're going to be receiving our offering, and you could drop the connection card in the offering. That'd be great. But take this time to fill out any information or next steps on the card that you'd like to take. First next step. Next steps. My number one priority this week is to listen and obey. This is it. We've we've prayed the prayer of the poem, and we're asking God. This is our number one thing. We're going to get up. And we're going to say, I want to hear. Maybe you need to set some time aside to quiet yourself before God and let him speak to you. 
on a regular basis. Get into the Word and allow Him to speak. Talk to Him. Pray. Talk things over with Him. Maybe you're at the point where you're ready to commit your life to follow Christ for the very first time. This is another step you could take. For the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior and follow Him as Lord. If, you're, if you've been investigating what it means to follow Christ, you're ready to do it, let us know. We'd really like to encourage you in that. And then there's some other next steps related to what's going on in church life, what Alex was talking about. Uh, the mission project at LA Food Bank on the 15th coming up Saturday. You can let us know if you want to be a part of that. Uh, the CIB previews up and coming. And the Discovering Spiritual Maturity Class 201 on the 16th is coming as well. If you're a first-time guest with us, we are really glad you're here today. And we have a gift for you. And you can pick up the gift. It's a book called The Case for Christ. Very helpful book, just answering some questions about Christianity and Christ himself. And it's found on the taller table to the left as you walk through the double doors. We'd love for you to have that book and enjoy it. And I think you'll find it helpful. Would you pray with me as we... uh, Get ready to move on toward worship and as the band comes up. Father, we thank you for the truth that you've shown us in your word and for the fact that you don't just give us life and leave it to ourselves, but you've done, out of your kindness, you've done some amazing things to bring us back into a friendship with you, Lord. Help us to realize this. Help us to, to, to learn to hear you and to follow you and to be people who obey exactly what you're saying, God. We ask for your help in this, this following, this step-by-step, doing what you're telling us to do. Lead us, guide us, and help us, God, in this. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.